Center Region Library. We are located in the heart of downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street and also online at sclolibrary.org. And this episode is dropping on Wednesday, May 20th, 2020. And we have a couple couple big things to talk about before we get to the crux, the heart of this episode. The first is middle of last week's episode, we were in the middle of when last week's episode came out, we were in the middle of Center Gives. That's now done, and it was phenomenal. What you what you did, the community did here in the Center Region, all of Center County did, was just amazing. I think all the nonprofits who participated, their jaws must still be dropping after what happened. The phenomenal response you had in helping these organizations was just Incredible, uh, Sclo. We we raised thanks to you more than sixty nine thousand dollars. That's almost ten thousand dollars more than we got last year from Center Gives. Uh, overall, two point one million dollars was the community impact. That includes the money raised and also the stretch pools and and the prizes that were given out. The total rate the raise just from your donations was one point eight million over one point eight million for all these organizations. Just amazing during given the times we are in and the, the with the economy and all that. What what you did it was just. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough. And I, I think I'm not only speaking on behalf of, of SCLOBE, I think on all the organizations that participated. What an amazing, uh, and it just, it just, it goes to show what we always say here, what I like to always say that the heart of this community really comes through and really shows when the, when we're going through some difficult times, which we are right now. So thank you again. We cannot thank you enough for all that support. And speaking of times and the times we're going through, we have a little bit of positive news with some uh, some things changing for SCLO. Our remote, as of today, as of uh, Wednesday, May 20th, our remote book drops are open, except for the one in the Nittany Mall, since the mall is still closed. But all, all our other remote book drops are open, so we, we are now accepting your returns of materials. Now we do ask, please go to our website to check this out. And we have also passed this information on to the media. This is to help our staff. If you can look, we're trying to have people return items on specific days based on their, the, the first letter of their last name. If you can look on, check our website or, or if there's news stories out there about that, that see where your last name falls. And if you can return items, your items on that specific day, that would be a big help to SCLO. Obviously we're not, we can't monitor it. We're not monitoring it. Uh, Whatever's convenient for you. If you can't make your day, whatever's convenient for you, you can return. That's, this is just to help our staff because of the amount of materials that are going to, are going to be coming in over the next few weeks is going to be pretty, (laughs) a great deal. So it just helps us. We will be quote unquote quarantining all the materials that are returned for at least 72, 72 hours before they're checked back in 
put back on the shelf. So you might not notice the immediate change to your account. If you do drop something off at the book return, it'll take a few days before it the change to your account is made. So that's a bit of good news. And in the coming weeks, if things continue, we are going to start talking and have some news about where you can place holds and pick up materials without entering the building yet. Our building's going to be closed for still for the foreseeable future right now. But in terms of getting books out of the library, taking uh, materials out, we are in the works of making an announcement about that, hopefully in the coming weeks. So you can look for that. So some good things, good signs, hopefully, as the weather's changing. And this is sort of the unofficial kickoff the summer with Memorial Day weekend here. And speaking of that, that's what this episode is sort of tied into, obviously, with Memorial Week in Bullsburg, the town of Bullsburg, birthplace of, of Memorial Day, and the Pennsylvania Military Museum is there. SCLO has a great partnership with the mil- Military Museum. We have a family pass that <clears throat> when we're open and when the Military Museum is open, you, you would be able to check out and check out the Military Museum. The museum, similar to SCLO, is closed, though, but... Uh, but we thought it'd be a good opportunity with, with Memorial Day weekend coming up to talk to Tyler Gum. He is the director of the Pennsylvania Military Museum, just to see how they are managing through all this with the pandemic. And there, there are still some things outside the building that you can check, the, the, check out. The grounds are a great place for people to walk. You'll probably see people walking around there every day with some of the monuments and, and the tanks are still outside, obviously. And some of the, they're doing things online too, similar to SCLO. And then hopefully the museum will be opening. When the museum opens, you'll be able to, you can check it out. You can get, maybe get the family pass from the library and check out the military museum because they have some great exhibitions, exhibitions in there. And they just, so much history there, obviously, uh, with Pennsylvania's military history. It's just, it's just amazing. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tyler Gum of the Pennsylvania Military Museum. So Tyler, I guess first, uh, just ha- I just want to catch up on how you've been doing and then how the museum's been doing through these past few months since you know well by the time this comes out we'll be in the area we'll be in a yellow phase but basically since the stay-at-home orders were issued how have you been doing personally and how the museum's been doing yeah it's a pleasure to be here and thanks so much for including us um you know i think it's been a tough time for everybody in some ways personally or professionally um you know personally speaking you know we've had friends and family of course you know have some type of encounters with it and everyone's doing well now and and, and bouncing back pretty strong. A few others haven't, but uh, it's to be expected. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're functioning. We're, we're figuring out how to use all these new technologies as far as the different apps and platforms and you know everything else, which is pretty cool. Uh, for the museum itself, it's actually been a really neat uh, moment to leverage some of our online capabilities that, you know, honestly, with so many events or different things going on, we don't always have the time to do, but now we do. So it's been kind of nice to stretch that muscle and and, and get it moving. Uh, back in March, when we slowly, um, you know, we did look at closures taking place as far as the pandemic hitting, uh, we moved most of our staff uh, to telework, except for those that are on site for security and maintenance and stuff uh, for the for the grounds and 
it's a historic site, so you know you can't let it go to too far as far as disrepair and everything for preservation's sake. Um, and it's been good. Everyone's adjusting to it uh, pretty well. We stay in touch using GoToMeeting and Zoom and the usuals. Um, but we've seen a lot of good interactions with our uh, visitors and school groups that couldn't come physically, but they're tuning in digitally and connecting with us otherwise. Yeah, yeah it sounds like you have some, you're doing some really cool things like on Facebook and showing some things that normally people can't see at the museum because they're not on display. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about some of some of those things yeah. that you're doing yeah absolutely so our collection has a little over ten thousand items actually so we span from huge items like obviously tanks and battleship guns down to very small uh you know buttons and pins and, and personal effects and so uh with the collection being so rich and and uh, colorful um being able to feature things online is a really nice way to to exhibit the the collection because most times when you visit a museum regardless of its topic most of your temporary exhibits only live in that space for six months or so. And then the artifacts have to rest. But by us having actually featured them on Facebook and the blog and, el and elsewhere, um, those exhibits, you know, in theory or metaphorically live forever so that people can actually see them and interact with them. And especially our families that uh, the artifacts are donated from to the museum are able to see them. Otherwise, usually they have to make a trip to the museum to see them. Uh, and we've had wonderful interactions, uh, two in particular, one from Erie, Pennsylvania, and then one from uh, down south that uh, contacted the museum and were really overjoyed, actually in tears, about seeing, you know, granddads and, and their family stuff online for everyone to see. And that's been really, really fun. Wow, that's uh, that's wonderful. That, I guess that goes, uh, talk about the museum as a whole, its mission in mm -hmm. terms of uh, just, you know, being a, this wealth of history i guess if you want to go into what what the museum you know and, uh, whether either under normal circumstances or now its mission in terms of presenting what it has sure yeah no that's a you know it's a question we get um rather routinely when they when people visit the museum or any museum everyone wants to know what's the, you know the so what question the, the point and uh for us it's that it's, it's pennsylvania military history so our mission it really hasn't changed even with the uh, the pandemic or with moving online it's always been to preserve and protect uh, the honor service and, and legacy of Pennsylvania's men and women in uniform, along with the technological innovations, the scientific innovations, you know, the STEM or STEAM, if you include A for art as well, um, as it relates to the Commonwealth's military history. So when you come to the museum, be it through the website or Facebook or, or physically when we, when we reopen, uh, you're never going to see things that don't have a Pennsylvania connection. And because we're Commonwealth owned, everything has a connection to the citizens of Pennsylvania. Um, and it could be anything from the home front to the war front from all time periods from 1747, the whole way to modern day. Wow. So it's, it truly is a treasure trove of, of history and, and not just combat experiences, but personal experiences, home front stuff, rationing, innovation, um, really awesome stuff. Yeah. And do you, how does, how do, items come into the collection? Do you have people contacting you saying, Hey, I found this in, the, in my attic. This might be of interest. How, how does your collection get built up? Uh, that, that sometimes is the, the funnest or the funniest uh, interactions we have with donors. Um, so as a museum, uh, you know, we have our usual SOPs, you know, your standard operating procedures as far as accepting donations and the process of 
of, of intaking or in processing these items. Uh, the donations we receive come from quite literally anyone and, 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 and everybody. So that means uh, personal citizens, private estates that are being settled, law enforcement units, military units, um, even other state agencies, you know, like Treasury back in the day when they had Thompson machine guns being used uh, for their for their G-men. Uh, those have been, of course, transferred over to us because of, of being a government agency for, for the types of class three weapons. Uh, we work with military uh, branches themselves, uh, including the Navy, the Marines, uh, the Army, of course, are the, are the ones we really work with heavily right now. We've worked with, uh, of course, the Air Force and the, and the Coast Guard as well with some of the other items, but not at the branch level. Uh, so when you, when, when you visit the museum, you'll notice we have those tanks outside. And those tanks are on permanent loan to us from the Army, and as well as the, the BB-38 battleship guns out front. Those are on loan to us from the United States Navy. Uh, even down to smaller items, you know, can be on loan to us from those military branches. But the private donations is the bulk, the meat and potatoes of the collection, you know, are from private mom and dad, spouses, sons and daughters, grandparents, widows, widowers that just say, hey, this is really special, has a lot of meaning and history to it. And I, and I want to see it for you preserved. Mm-hmm. And so they'll contact the museum and we'll set up an appointment. Mm-hmm. Are there any pieces that you particularly are proud of that you say, wow, that we have this in our collection or, or stories that, that come with some something that someone donated or gave to you? Uh, I, I, I think to answer that question, you know, my colleagues and I would probably say it's like picking your favorite child. Which one do you pick, you know? <laughs> Um, you love them all and you, and you love them all equally, but maybe for different reasons. Um, I mean, not, I mean, I'm not a father yet, but it's like, you know, which one would you pick? Um, you know, I, I think, I think I would probably have to say, um, the medal of honor we have and some of, um, some of the medals, um, that have been awarded to Pennsylvanians that we have are very special. Um, the ones that are probably the most evocative that really, you know, you start to, it gives you pause are some of the photographs and some of the journals and the letters home to mom or letters home to dad or the, um, you know, the spouse, those are really special because, you know, not to say that the, that other bigger items aren't, but those are really personal. I mean, that really speaks to the, the human aspect of what we all are. So those are, those are probably my most favorite um, or most treasured, you could say, of saying I want people to really connect with these because it could be anybody. Yeah, that – I guess it puts a, like a face yeah. on, on being in the military service and, and having to go to war at times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and even with humanitarian relief, search and rescue efforts, um, even like when you, you think about Katrina or the pandemic right now with the National Guardsmen that are being activated to help, there's a lot of those items that we have that aren't just wartime. Sometimes they are, like I said, the humanitarian items, the, the search and rescue items that, that were involved from military aspect. Or even like the we have um, uh, wedding gowns that were made from parachutes of World War II uh, soldiers. And we have little uh, you know paper dolls from uh, little girls and 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 kids from home, you know, and, and comic books. I mean, things that you would never really think that are military history, but are so personal that it puts that face and that name to it. Hmm. 
was were you always a, a history buff or a lover of history? I guess if you want to talk about how how you came into your position, your background. Yeah, that's a uh, it's a one that I think as all historians we probably wonder like how did we get into this? You know, like this dusty stuff. You know, books on the shelf. You know, if it's expedition unknown, you know, on TV or whatever, you know, it really caught your attention, right? Um, Growing up, I just always loved history. Part of it was that, um, you know, I had a, a speech in a, in a hearing issue. And so I always really connected with books and libraries, you know, like yourself, Schlow and, and el- elsewhere. And so I was able to uh, really connect with subjects and topics better uh, through reading and hands-on experiences. And I visited the military museum. I grew up in Lewistown. And so uh, Mr. Alts, my social studies teacher in middle school, brought us over to the Sherman Tank and uh, to the museum and for history day in sixth grade, we, we had to pick a, pick a topic. So I picked uh, tanks, uh, <laughs> you know, because of the military museum and you flash forward, you know, 30 years or so later. And it's like, wow, I get to, I get to be at this place. And I think it was that love of history as a kid from teachers and from family and from learning to, to really connect through reading that I was like, this is the path for me, both passion wise and professionally, because I think there's something to be said about preserving our history. Mm. Um, you can always learn from it. You can always get better from it. And it makes us who we are as a society and as, as human beings. It's the story of us. Mm. Is there an era of history, a particular part of history you have a special passion for or interest in? You know, sometimes it depends on my mood. Um, you know, whenever you, when you work in history, you, you sometimes go with the ebb and flow of commemorations at where you work or the subject matter at where you work. Um, for me, though, it's usually been, broadly speaking, military history or revolutionary, you know, political history, um, you know, with the founding of the nation and things like that. And poli sci is what I studied. But I kind of zeroed in on, uh, on Civil War or World War II, um, and sometimes even, you know, modern, modern warfare as far as modern conflict uh, and, and diplomacy and th- seeing how things um, have evolved since World War I, World War II, into what we see today as far as conflict resolution and conflicts that haven't been resolved yet. Um, and and that, that's always been usually somewhere I, that my reading stack is usually comprised of. Wow. Never enough time. <laughs> um, under, when the museum was open and it will be open in the future and some of the programs you, 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 the museum does a, a great amount of programs having bring in guest speakers all that I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that and, and uh yeah and uh you know sort of having these experts come and talk to talk to on, on their subjects subject matter sure yeah you know that's um i think that's probably my if I would have to say what's the best part of my job sometimes, it's the programs and doing the public history side of the field. You know, there's the academic side of the papers and the journals and the research was, you know, you know the caffeine-fueled stuff, which is fun. But really, it's the public side, I think, at least for my, from where I sit, is more fun. And some of those programs are, are truly are designed for youth and kids, and other ones are more designed for your uh, adult age. Um, so what we try to do is hit all the different learning styles and we try to hit all of the different age groups equally. That way there's something for, for everybody at, not just because of being a museum, but for the citizens of Pennsylvania. So sometimes that's your kids days where we, we get out the helmets and the gear and the kit and the kids can learn about it, play with it. I mean, the good part with our history, odds are you're a little, 
you know, third, third grader isn't going to break something that was built for war. <laughs> um, he can try, she can try all, all they want, but probably not gonna. Um, and so we have that hands-on history experience where they can learn about it in the book or they can see it online, but then they can come to the museum and actually touch it and learn about it. And, and really even sometimes even taste it. If it's a, if it's a food event, like we've had, um, some of the events have also been timeline centered where we try to show the evolution of, of kitten gear or of clothing or technology. And, and we even bring it up to modern day and have uh, modern day, you know, men and women uh, come with their the Humvees from the national guard or the, the active duty guys come by and then the lectures and stuff, which is really neat because it gives you a very personal moment to talk about the, the subject and then also have Q and a with the uh, academics and the, and the, uh, those that are being published, you know, at the forefront and which is really, really cool for, I think not just the, the staff, but for the visitors, cause we'll put 40, 60 or so people or, um, we've actually even gone up to almost 200 people once for the, some of our veterans that come and speak, especially the uh, Tuskegee airmen and some of the world war two veterans and Korea veterans in Vietnam. Now, you know, these guys are coming back and doing lectures and it allows you to hear the stories first person or hear the research and then do Q and a, so that's really awesome. That is, yeah, that's great. It, the museum's obviously located in Bullsburg, and Bulls, big mm-hmm. big thing with Bullsburg is obviously Memorial Day, and this year the thing's obviously not happening. What kind of emotion is that for you, you know, and for the community to not have that event ha- happening this year? I mean, Memorial Day is still happening, but yeah. obviously, but obviously the stuff that goes with yeah. Bullsburg, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think you hit it, you know, everything's changed a little bit, you know, everything's kind of, everyone's trying to find a, a new, a new, new, a new normal or a new kind of even keel to find. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, humbly speaking about it, um, for, for those of us that are, you know, in the military history side of it or in the museum side, um, of this field, I think every day kind of feels, you know, like a Memorial day or like a, um, remembrance day, because we're always surrounded by the history of, of these men and women. You talk to the gold star mom and dads, you talk to the gold star families and, or you go outside and you see the monuments on our grounds and you realize that, you know, we're not talking about something that's far off in distant lands. Always we're talking about names of, of men and women etched in stone forever. And for us, at least at the, at the Pennsylvania Military Museum, when we get to work, we see the monuments and we leave work. We say goodnight to the monuments into the shrine, so to speak. And so I think for us, you know, this year, even though some of the, the festivities and the, the pomp and the circumstance of the day might not be there, it'll be there in our hearts and minds. You know, I think we'll still pause that that day. We might not be on site that day, but we'll at least have a moment um, introspectively to remember what that day means and what we, what we do as professionals mean, because in some ways military museums are the link between the civilian world, the military world. And on Memorial day, it's kind of where the, the, the two meet very nicely. Mm-hmm. And this year will be a little bit different, but uh, it'll still be special. Um, that kind of, you know, we'll, we'll bounce back. We, yeah. we always do. No, that's, it is. That's true. I know it's, you're probably in the same boat with everyone trying to figure out the future. I mean, what, I guess for the museum, what are you looking at future wise with exhibitions or programs when, 
you know, when you do open again, or even if you are planning <laughs> on even expanding your, your digital virtual offerings. So that'll, that's been a, a several year undertaking and sometimes year to year, month to month undertaking for us, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, kind of thinking thousand foot view, we've been uh, several years into, into uh, redesigning our, our permanent exhibit. So museums will have a permanent side and a, and a temporary side. And our permanent side is the, the, the very hardscaped exhibit you walk into an art museum or a, a, a history museum and you see always there somehow. And so we, we have redesigned that. That design phase is now done. So we're looking out now several years and saying, what do we need to do financially, both on a grassroots level and a state level to make that happen? And so what we're looking at is uh, is, is a complete uh, renovation of the interior gallery of the museum. And so what we're going to do is bring it from 1747, the whole way to modern day, to Iraq, Afghanistan, and then kind of leave it a, un, an unended book, you know, where it, we have room to expand with more exhibitry. And we'll have no less than 400 to 400, and I think it's 20 or 30 artifacts on display at one time. And uh, most of that will be very personal. Uh, where it's very uh, people-driven. When we did our focus groups, we we noticed people uh, were responding with more interest on on a chronological level rather than topical, and they also wanted more people-based instead of topic or item-based. So that's where the design is actually is is headed, and it'll be very much you know item-heavy, but it'll be told through the the eyes of the person, and that'll be our, our permanent stuff. Our temporary stuff. What we try to do is feature things that are related to the commemorations or perhaps uh, current events, relative, relevant events, things that are taking place in, in contemporary times that we can have some type of a parallel to so that people can see, oh, okay, this is the context. This is what that means. And kind of do an aha light bulb goes off moment. And then some of the other things we're looking at for the future as far as different events, um, you know, we've tried uh, – pretty strongly right now with the digital stuff. And I think that's something we're going to try to do more of for our classes that can't visit because we, we, we typically have a large, very, I mean, it's robust. I mean, it's, it's busy, uh, school, school programs and, and public programs, including ROTC units, leadership seminars. So we'll probably try to leverage that online through, through the podcasts and through uh, YouTube videos and such. We can start producing here soon and the ongoing use of the blog and the articles and the publishing and things like that. Other physical programs, once we get back on site, boots on ground, um, we might, you know, there's going to be the guidelines that you have to follow and the SOPs, uh, but we're still going to look at very, you know, high, high touch because right now everyone's very high tech in, in their ways. And eventually people are going to want high touch experiences. And so what we can do is provide that in a safe means, be it through demonstrations of the different uh, kit and gear um, or through different kinds of tours and programs, different types of hands-on things. One thing I'm working on right now is something we used to do back in the National Park Service. It's called Battle in a Box. And you basically take a big Rubbermaid box and you stuff a bunch of stuff in it for the kids and the adults. And the first thing you have to do is pull out a, a big canvas uh, tarp, kind of like a half shelter like you'd see in the, in the military. And the kids paint a battle map on it. So, of course, now they're learning about geography. They're learning about arc. They're learning about layouts and things and compass use. And then after that, you slowly tell the story once the paint's dry. Um, you slowly tell the story of that battle. And you can do that for all kinds of different stories and battles with some basic paints, you know, blue rope for the river, brown ropes for the roads. You know, it's pretty low impact, 
um, low overhead cost, but very interactive for the kids and, and for the adults too. Um, so it'll be fun to do. Um, so there's stuff like that we're working on. Like I said, the, the permanent stuff, the temporary stuff, new programs. Uh, it'll be, I think it'll be exciting times. It'll be different, but um, that's the fun part of museum work is every day is a bit different, even though the stories may be similar. How far out do you plan for like the commemorations? Because like, you know, 2021, there's some significant anniversaries mm-hmm. like with uh, Pearl Harbor and obviously the September 11th attacks yep. that got, uh, how far out do you plan for, for those type of commemorations? You know, we're, we are total history geeks, David. Um, every, <laughs> everything gets written down and you know where dates are. I mean, you, you got the, you got your whiteboard and you're all, you know, you know how it is. It's, uh, so usually the, what we try to do is look at the, the return on investment, not necessarily on the monetary side, but what is the ROI on the experience for the visitors at the museum for that date. So, you know, do you pick the ninth anniversary or do you pick the 10th? You go for the 10th. So what we try to look at is, is where are people's attentions going to be and how can we make the connections best? And so whenever we were planning, like currently the 75th anniversary of World War II, that one's pretty straightforward because, you I mean, you know, it's coming. You can plan for the 75th. And, and what you do is you just, you marry up your, your dates of the, of your dates 75 years ago to the current dates of when they would be. And then you just pick a weekend that would probably work best for the calendar or for the football schedule or and stuff like that. And, and it works out pretty well. So what we try to do is at least one year to two years out, um, we might start to be, we might be throwing, you know, spaghetti at the wall, as they say about ideas for three or four years out of, of stuff we know that's coming. But beyond that, it gets a little, a little hard. Um, so one to two years out, at least. And then that three or four years, we know it's coming. Um, you know, right now we have the the 75th anniversary of World War II finishing up. You know, this week is actually uh, VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. And um, then we'll be moving into the Pacific campaign as the war finishes up. And then eventually, uh, as the 75th of World War II closes, uh, we will then, of course, finish up on the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam War. And then we'll start to seg you into uh, crazy enough, the 20th anniversary of the bombing of the USS Cole. Uh, it's it's hard to believe it's been 20 years already. And then, of course, 9-11 and, and the other commemorations. And so in some ways for military museums, the commemorations don't necessarily end as they kind of evolve or have a solemn feel to them because our veterans are, are no longer here. You know, as far as World War II right now, we we're closed up right now and the events that we were going to be featuring veterans, hopefully they're here next year um, for that, for that personal story. You can't replace the personal story um, told by that person who experienced it. Mm. Um, and the other one we're working on right now is the women's suffrage. Cause this is the hundredth anniversary of, of women's suffrage. And uh, unfortunately our first weekend for the commemoration has been canceled because of all of this. So we're hoping by the fall, we can have our panels and our lectures and our, our round tables, open back up, um, for that. So what we do, you know, that's kind of thousand foot view and we drill down into the artifacts. What do we have? What don't we have? What can we feature? And we put it together. That's great. Well, Tyler, thank you so much. Is there anything else about the museum you think people should know about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? You know, David, I think the thing that for the museum that, uh, folks would be awesome, would, would really find amazing or awe-inspiring is that, um, you know, we don't have just 
one topic to talk about. We don't just have one time period. We try to hit them all. And the biggest takeaway for, at least for, especially for our museum is that we, we never ever uh, glorify the idea uh, of combat or war. What we try to do is put it into context of diplomacy has failed and here's where we are and here's what happened. Because if you can, if you figure out a way to make the connections with, with history and service and sacrifice and the cost of freedoms, we can kind of see what it means to be a responsibly uh, prepared citizen um, as a voter, realizing that we have control over our military, whereas other nations don't necessarily have that direct civilian control of, of our government and our military. And so it's very important to use military history in that way to show people, you know, the cost of it, but also the breakdown of it and, and really have them make those connections. And so, it's, you know, you can come to our museum and make those connections at any age, inside or outside, um, hopefully inside sooner <laughs> than, than outside, right, with all this stuff going on. But uh, we're open. We're open year round right now. Uh, we have 29 monuments outside, stuff inside for the kiddos, and uh, it's always always something fun to to learn, even if it's just having a sandwich on the grounds and, and enjoying the the time of peace and reflection. That, that's a good point. For, uh, that um, with the social distancing, your grounds are. I've seen a popular place for people to walk around and there's so mm -hmm. much history, even outside, even if the museum that people should, you know, on a nice day, uh, we're recording on a nice day, people can go out and some of the history that's outside that people can enjoy. Yeah. You know, the grounds were set up that way on purpose with landscape architecture that actually the stream is, is purposely in the middle of it because that's supposed to be the river vessel in France that the men fought alongside of World War One, And the forest behind the big shrine wall is supposed to actually be the the Meuse-Argonne uh, offensive forest, the Argonne forest, and where the Sherman tank is, Abigail, uh, that's supposed to be the Hurricane Forest of World War II, and all of the monuments are laid out in the order of battle, uh, so that every piece of the grounds has a, has a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we wrap up, I know you said you had a big reading stack. Is there a particular history book that you've enjoyed or would recommend, or, any, or maybe one or two that you really, or authors oh. that, that you really enjoy? No, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, right now my um, my my at home my at home reading has been uh, right now I'm working through uh, About Face by Colonel David Hackworth, a uh, veteran of the Korean War as well as World War or uh, Korean Vietnam War. Um, and another one I'm reading is uh, With the Old Breed, which is what the uh, you know, the the TV series The Pacific was based on. I'm rereading that one because because why not? Uh, it's always a good one. I mean, there's there's a ton of books to I could probably mention, but those are two I'm I'm rereading re right now or, or reading for the first time right now for for Hackworth. That's great. Well, Tyler, thank you so much. We look forward to when we can go into the museum again. But thank you for all the work and 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 keeping this history of for people to to see and 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 experience. It's an honor to do so, and uh, thanks so much for having, having me today, David. Thanks again.
The Military Museum is definitely one of the great treasures of the center region, maybe of all of Center County. Definitely encourage you once it's open again to check it out with the exhibitions. But until then, there's obviously the, the walking path, paths, and the, the, the history still outside that you can check out. So that uh, thank Tyler again for joining us. It, it, uh, we're great. It's great that school has a partnership, that we have a partnership with the, the Pennsylvania Military Museum. Some other things happening at SCLO are actually online. Well, one thing that isn't happening, the event, the workshop score of Central PA was going to do on Thursday, May 21st. That has been canceled. We're hoping to reschedule it so that the if you register for that, you should receive an email that that event is canceled on Thursday, May 21st. Summer reading, registration for summer reading has opened. It opened on May 18th. So you can go to reading.sclolibrary.org and start registering for that. It's for everyone, babies to adults. And the beginning of when you can start logging in your readings and your the books you're reading uh, is June 1st. But you can register right now online at reading.sclolibrary.org. Pennsylvania CareerLink is doing a Zoom event on June 9th at 10 a.m., on resume develop, development, you can register online at sclolibrary.org. That's on resume, resume development. And I'll actually be co-hosting, co-leading an event on podcasting. This is on June 10th at 10.30 a.m. And it's with Jenna Spinelli, who is the host of the Democracy Works podcast. And she and I are going to be leading an event called Podcast 101, Exploring the World Through Audio. And this is more about talking about podcasts in general, what they are, some some of the popular ones, why they've become popular. It's not necessarily the technical aspect and, and how you do a podcast, although that will be talked about a little bit. But this is more just exploring the world of podcasting. And, and if you if you enjoy podcasts or, or just have just started listening or want to know what they're about, check out that event June 10th at 1030 a.m. You can register online at sclolibrary.org. And of course, everything is on our website, sclolibrary.org, our digital library, ebooks, where you can have access to our ebooks, e audiobook collection, Canopy, Hoopla. You can find out all that information on our website. Follow us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Those are all the best places to get not only about virtual events, but what's happening with our services. Like I mentioned, the remote book drops are, have opened, and then we'll be announcing hopefully in the coming weeks about may, putting reserves on some books that you want to check out and, and how you'll be able to do that. Hopefully, like I said, in the coming weeks, announcement will be coming on that. And I want to thank Tyler Gum again for joining us this week and the, from the Pennsylvania Military Museum, just some great work they do. Check out their virtual programming. Follow them on social media. They're doing a lot of great stuff as well. Until next time, hope everyone has a great Memorial weekend and a great time to maybe walk around the Military Museum. But until next time, take care, everyone. <laughs>